Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Is it working? We are. Oh. We're in a whole new world, man. It's April Fools. I uh, clicked my wheels three times and we appeared <laughs> here in the uh, lab. You're not right in on. Kansas anymore? Right on, man. Right on. So what are we doing today? Uh, well, we give so we're answering questions like we normally do on Mondays. We give away some stuff too, uh, but we're in the lab, so you'll probably hear some echoes, probably hear some background noise of pumps running and all kinds of tests going on because this is actively a testing area, um, which I have to do right at four when we get done. Go back I to testing. I got four too, man. <laughs> Meetings. So, all right, but we got stuff to give away too. Um, Start off. How you doing, man? Oh. Do the first one. Uh, well, I mean they're. They probably wish they put more in their cart, so I apologize that the one I get it finally do after a few weeks is only $16.99, but that's all he had in his cart. So, uh, Bill, Bill, put more in your cart next time. Uh, but Bill's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he had a three-quarter inch swing check valve, hmm. True Union, in his shopping cart, and now he can go pick that up <laughs> free for swing, free. Swing valve, right on, man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and over Robert Everett in Sanibel, Texas, uh, is getting a 100 PX, 790 gallon per hour pan world pump for 194.99. Those are pretty common in my pump. water change stations. Those pan I, you know worlds. what? I used a ton of these on uh, uh, old uh, uh, propagation system that I have. Oh yeah. So yeah, uh, awesome man. Cool, cool Robert. Yeah, cool, dude. Right on. So for those of you who don't know, uh, put some stuff in your cart, buy it, either way, uh, become a preferred reefer, and uh, we'll give some of this stuff away every Monday. For sure. So moving on. Some of these days, man, I feel like super, super prepared for what we're going to talk. Right. Some of them, we just wing it. Wing today, it today. Today's a yeah, wing it. I just showed up. I had some long <laughs> interviews that we had to do, and boom, here I am. So uh, a couple of things we moved in here, man, just because I wanted to talk a little bit about a couple of the tests that were going on behind us, answer any questions that people have. We also have some questions queued up if, like, for whatever reason, you guys are super boring and don't answer anything fun. Uh, we will go back to those. Yeah. But uh, let's just start off with a little bit of what's going on behind us. And if you guys got questions, man, let's answer them. So sadly, we don't have like an actual shot of uh, each one of these tanks, yeah. you know, but like uh, for you to see. It's coming along though. We should probably should see results soon, see, right? Yeah, yep, this camera. All right, this so way. these two right here, uh, just for those of you who don't know, uh, these two tanks, this one, oh, and then the one you can't see, one over here, off uh, uh, is the evolution of the uh, elevated tank uh, or ever elevated parameter. Yeah, test. that's where we took like uh, we have a like two episodes before it. One was some initial results that we saw where you just wanted to update people on it, and then the other one we actually put down some saw some even more results that we saw. And then the next evolution was to take these. We use the Red Sea Coral Pro elevated levels and the Red Sea Blue Bucket, like more what you would call common levels, I guess, for people you know alkalinity and calcium. Uh, but we are purposefully maintaining high levels here and low level and more standardized levels here and this is where when we actually get to do it in a reef tank that you would have in your home i'm shooting it from the hip here a little bit but uh, i believe it's like 420 calcium versus like 460 you know 3 13 20 uh, magnesium versus 1400 and then the biggest thing is probably the alkalinity which yeah. is like 8 versus 12. yeah so eight versus 12 in alkalinity means you've increased the amount of available carbonate or alkalinity by 50%. So the calcium is like 10%. Yeah. So I, I think the uh, carbonate is probably gonna be the, you know, the alkalinity is probably gonna be the big tell here. Mm -hmm. But what do you remember what we saw in the uh, last one? 
Well, we had the we had frags on like the frag racks, so we kind of weighed them uh, different weights and actual just visual representation size wise. There were some color differences too, but there was some undeniable like results with mm -hmm. more growth, especially on like the chalices and stuff. They were plating out further than the the lower levels, so definitely looked like uh, high alk was at high alk and high calcium were coloration also solid like yeah. uh, the coloration was better at high alkalinities and calcium levels like nobody saw that one coming yeah so uh but there was just like six different types of corals in there and so you know and i don't know about you guys but i don't really care about grams when i'm looking at my corals like oh it grew 50 percent more grams so, like I, I don't really care yeah. So, like, what if the coral skeleton was just denser? Like, is it worth, uh, you know, trying to maintain those high levels? I don't know. Uh -huh. So, uh, one of the things we wanted to do is take it to the next level, and let's set up some tanks. So, we set up two tanks. Uh, the rocks work here is roughly the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, we placed the corals, uh, identical samples of the corals. Worldwide Corals was kind enough to send out, uh, like, I don't know, probably about 30 different corals yeah. for each tank, two of each. We put them in the same spots. And we're just gonna let these corals grow out, you know? So we're just gonna let these two tanks grow out. We'll look at them at three, six, nine months, a year. Mm -hmm. Actually, I've been trying to get this episode out uh, right now to give a side-by-side -side comparison because we're at probably, probably three months right now. I would imagine, Eric, yeah, pretty close. Three months? Two and a half Two and months? A half, almost all right, three. so we're right up on there. And I can tell you, I went through one by one and all of these corals and just kind of looking at them directly. Mm. And definitely the high elevate, elevated elements are growing way faster. I mean, you can see it, you know, and in the initial uh, view of it is the elevated elements are encrusting the bases onto mm. the rock already, where these are you know, just, you know, approaching that decision. Mm -hmm. So I want to get that episode out right now soon so you can see that. But the big tile will be like a year. Oh, so yeah. at a year, do I have a bunch of frags or do I have a reef tank? Yeah, that's you true. Know? And uh, if I do, if, there, if it's that big of a difference, I am absolutely willing to run some higher levels. You know, I may scale back when growth is no longer desirable and I just want to maintain a nice looking right. tank. But uh, during growth phase uh, or if I was doing a frag system, you mm. know, I think that would probably be pretty attractive. So would there be anything like to consider at running at those higher levels that you might want to, I don't know. So we've always said, you know, middle of the road type places is where you want to be. So you're not on the edge of creeping over this way and not on the low end. So you're not on the edge of crashing over here. So that's mm -hmm. why we usually shoot for like eight, five, nine. But at 12, you're kind of running that rail. But that's if you have point. more control. Good point. Because uh, it's like you know driving a viper versus uh you know a corolla yeah you know, i'm gonna go faster man for sure but right. like if i hit an ice patch i'm dead yeah uh, <laughs> you know, so uh you're definitely riding the edge which means you need a skilled more skilled driver to make sure that mm. everything else is right that makes sense. and that you're not just wildly going up and down as well yeah so and there's other things man i just like we're just learning here and you're hopefully learning right with us there's some things in there man just because it's growing faster doesn't mean it's actually metabolically healthier mm. you know per se uh huh. it doesn't mean that it's also healthy for the fish to have alkalinity that high yeah. you know we don't know that uh, one way or another so there's definitely unknowns there that when you're starting to go outside of the window for you know you know natural seawater parameters right. or, or close to 
Uh, but, you know, the nature of this is everybody's looking for faster growth and better coloration. So let's see if we can find it and then you can learn one step at a time. You know, just keep adding knowledge on top. You know, I think some of those, uh, with, with more and more of these like alkalinity, uh, these alkalinity checkers or these constant uh, alkalinity testers like the Neptune Trident and the GHL and all of these other ones. Mm -hmm. This might be more feasible for some people to do since they have an active like finger on the pulse of alkalinity where they're not having to manually test at the same time every day and might be easier to write run some of these. If you numbers. actually had a readout. Yeah and this is a good time to point out that Randy has a Trident I didn't get one, and uh, we're going to share a booth at Reef to Reef with David uh, from Reef to Reef, who also has one, but somehow I get left out of the mix. So. If, if Terrence is watching, I didn't say it. He wasn't, I wasn't supposed to, I was supposed you to be an me? impartial party. <laughs> no, I was supposed to be an impartial party, but I haven't uh, got it yet. We'll see. I told Terrence I want the final version. Otherwise, uh, I don't want to give him my opinion based on the non-final uh, for my opinion. But I can't wait for that kind of thing to, to show up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, yeah, definitely give you an easier window to maintain anything that's uh, slightly outside of the normal levels, yeah. you know, uh, and try to keep it in there. So let's control. see if we got any questions related to this thing, you know, specifically. Either, you know, our approach to the test or our approach uh, to... Uh, like, uh, you know, the actual results. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, Edward here is asking, how do you acclimate, and this is a really good question, how do you acclimate new colonies of SPS where, say, you got it from the LFS where, where they were growing at 8.2, and now you have an elevated tank of 11 dKH or 12 dKH? Hmm. How would you go about acclimating? Ooh, I mean, that'd be pretty tough to acclimate tough. them up without other tanks. Right. You're, you're probably going to let a little bit more hope and pray. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could... Slow. I mean, I, I would say acclimation, you know, that day mm. is probably more important now. You know, like uh, when you're drip applicating appli yeah. uh, uh, acclimating yeah. your coral. Like, I know a lot of people just kind of take it out of the bag and put it in. You that's, know? yeah, that's me. Uh, uh, and so, you know, in that instance, if you're going to be way outside those parameters, mm. you know, slowly getting it used to that is probably wise. Uh, maybe even the course of hours, but one of the things to think about when you're doing that is to make sure that you know it's the same temperature. Yeah. You know, because if you're just dripping in there off, it, and you're just getting it's getting cold during that period. Yeah, of time. true. Okay. Uh, all right. What's the that other one sense. here? Uh, okay. Uh, going through a pretty bad, bad bacterial bloom in my new tank, uh, almost for weeks now. Is there any way to fix? Uh, Andrew Jones. You know, this is a really good one, actually, I love to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, because the uh, tank up front, the XXL 750 Doing from the, the hybrid thing. series, is, yeah. is definitely got a bacterial bloom in it as well. Mm. Uh, and I actually, I don't think I shared this with you, but I called the WWC about it. I talked to Josh, and he just chuckled at me. He's like, yep, that's bare bottoms for you, man. And that <laughs> actually fits really good with the ULMs we did, right? Yeah. I mean, because those had, like, ebony and flowing bacterial blooms for, like, the first year. Yeah. And then now they're just good, huh. right? That's true. And that was the exact advice that Josh gave and it's just he's like happen. dude for the first year a bare bottom tank sucks it's just really hard to take care of there's you know, hmm. bacterial blooms that appear it's super super common they can stay for months and what will happen man is a painful first year and then every year after that success whereas uh, the every year after that with sand mm. is challenges so and I know some people will you know debate that a little bit but, you know, keep talking about that sand uh, on the bottom as the tank's toilet where all the, yeah. you know, 
the waste and everything decays down in there. Ticking time bomb almost. Yeah, you way. know, I think I'm going to change the statement that I use there. It's okay. no longer the toilet, man. It's the kitty litter box, man. <laughs> because it actually, the toilet implies that it gets flushed out at some point in time. Okay. True. This thing just collects more and more poo and garbage, man, <laughs> until finally, like, uh, it, it, like, erupts on you. you okay. Know? All right. Uh, and so it erupts. If you go to the corner and you stir it up, man, it's brown comes out of mm. everywhere, right? Yeah. And so... Yeah, so you know you get different types of challenges from your point one when you have sand in there, mm. and I'll still openly admit that half of my tanks in the future will probably still have sand just because aesthetically it's uh, something I like. I just might take different approaches to keeping it clean or whatnot. But with the bare bottom approach, you know, I mean it just opens just as it says mm. it like it is, man. It's going to be harder for each year. The tank is stabilizing. In fact, what happened was we it stabilized and cleared up. And then we added a bunch more fish. That's uh, true. Elliot over at Marine Collector sent us some a fish. A bunch more fish. Yeah, uh, we added a bunch of fish, and then boom, new bacterial thing because it needs to stabilize around uh, the new uh, biological load in there. And, you know, there's no sand. There's just so much surface area on sand to, you know, process the bacterial load. So much area for it to settle out in and uh, different hmm. critters to eat it up inside there. So a lot of, uh, so I've seen this question a lot on Ashby or STV is the same type of thing. Got a bacterial bloom, what do I do? And a lot of people, I think probably 60% of the answers is run UV. Mm -hmm. And then another part of the answers is dose some bacteria like Dr. Tim's or something. And the other one, uh, some people have even mentioned like dosing straight nitrate or dosing ammonia or dosing, you know, something to clear them out. Like if you wanted to get, if you wanted to get rid of them, what would be your approach? Just ride it out still? Ride it out, man. So I would say, here's the thing, man. Everybody treats reefing like a, here's a problem, find a hammer. Yeah, You know, like uh, just cause you have a nail, you need a hammer. Yeah. And maybe, man, but ultimately we didn't do that with the ULMs and we just let them do their thing and now they don't have any bacterial pro or blooms ever, hmm. right? And so let that thing stabilize around the fish and stuff that are in there and leave it alone. You know, the problem is, is like uh, you catch the better mouse trap, man. I think of that one poem, like the, she swallowed the fly to catch the rat to eat oh, the yeah. spider to whatever it was. Yeah, I yeah. totally butchered that. But, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, you just go down this ever uh, evolving escalation of ways to deal with a tank. And so when I talked to Josh about it, he's like, yeah, so you could throw a UV on there if you want hmm. and it would clear up. Uh, and, you know, but we just usually let it go. You know. Well, that and I mean, you're throwing uh, usually like a two to four to five hundred dollar piece of equipment at a problem that will eventually probably work itself out. Mm -hmm. And whether or not you decide to, if you see value in running it all the time, like we have the 160 that we have a UV, we don't run it all the time. Uh, the the purpose of the UV on the on the ULM SPS tank was to run it all the time. Uh, and as a preventative more than anything else. So if you find value in that, then I mean, maybe buy it, but uh, you know, I think that the biggest problem here is when you see your tank, you come home, the thing's got a bacterial bloom, and you're like, oh, man, I must have done something wrong. Ah, yeah. You know, like, oh, I'm a terrible reefer. Poor me. Yeah. You know, and then I need to fix it. You know, I need to solve this problem. And the reality is, is actually more beneficial if somebody comes by and says, you know what, uh, you got a bare bottom, man. It's, it's normal. It's natural. Uh, you could treat it if you want. Uh, if you're not in a hurry, man, uh, just let it ride it out. 
you know mm. maybe it goes away in a week maybe it goes away in six weeks but it will go away mm. you know and, uh, and if you're in a really big hurry man then it's not causing any harm in the tank other than visually it doesn't look good same uh, with ugly br- uh, ugly tank syndrome or that brown brown mm-hmm. tank the new new brown tank syndrome oh, yeah like, actually I, a lot of people think they're doing something bad because they have algae but no it's a uh, it's good it's a good thing i mean you get a little bit of a preview of probably what's coming up next week actually oh. here because you know that was the same thing is uh like uh, the uh ulm the 170 in my office mm-hmm. is uh you know it's just covered in brown slime as soon as we turn the light on you know and yeah. and like they're like, should we clean it off? And I'm like, no, nah, you know, often when you clean it off, it just spreads and stuff. Let it do its thing. You I'll know, brown. And then one day, man, I'm like, I think it's been long enough. You know, blow it off. Blew it off. Didn't come back. Yeah. You know, same thing in the in the uh, uh, one or the XXL seven fifty. That's Trump. true. It's covered in brown slime intentionally. Never touched it. Let the bacteria do their thing, and you know, uh, form you know the biofilm that they need to form. And then blow it off one day, and uh, then it was fine. Yeah, you know. So uh, if we didn't add more fish and screw it all up again, uh, we would have been sailing in the coralline. Yeah, just yeah. fine. Actually, it's covered in coralline right now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the yeah. bottom and the rock is already. So uh, you know, those are good signs. Uh, things are going in the right direction. Cool. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, those are my answers for you. Uh, and uh, let's go to the next one here, Mark. Mark wants to know what are you keeping? What are you keeping the alkin and cal, uh, calcium at? So okay, we kind of went through this, and I don't. Oh, you have to rattle off the numbers off the top yeah, of your head, though. Aaron ran the, ran away, but the numbers were around on the high tank. It was somewhere around like twelve dkh and four. It's the blue bucket versus black bucket. I mean, there you go. That's so that's go, the easiest way to look. Go to the Red Sea uh, website and look at blue bucket versus black bucket. It isn't blue bucket and black bucket salt. It's just those parameters. Because those are some of the most popular salts that people pick up here, we just, you know, elevated and not elevated just seemed like made yeah. sense to pick those as parameters. These tanks are actually running Tropic Marin, but we elevate, elevate the levels up to there or leave it down. So uh, it isn't the salt versus the salt. It's yeah. just those are the examples. So yeah, good point. the biggest thing is I think it's like 8 DKH versus 12. So yeah. uh, do I need a scum, skimmer if I'm running a refugium? Oh, it's interesting. Uh, so, you know, that is a good question. If you're running a refugium and it is pulling out presumably all of the nutrients. Which they they probably can. Yep. All, all uh, I know they can. Yeah. And uh, even a, you know, if it's well lit, even a small, poorly designed refugium can be a hundred, um, nearly 100% efficient uh, to the point that you may be want to scale back. <laughs> uh, and what a weird converse, how that conversation has changed, man. It used to be like... Yeah, refugium's garbage. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's just blah, for display blah, purposes, yeah. like maybe in growing pods. That was its main purpose. Well, mm-hmm. no, actually, it's better than. Turns out, if you <laughs> uh, light it with a light like you would light your tank, it can actually outcompete nutrients in the tank in your sump. Yeah, and you did it with a five dollar I mean, bulb. There's the hammer. <laughs> there's the hammer beating the you know the solution to death. Is like uh, refugium will knock out all of it. And like get rid of GFO. Get rid of uh, carbon dosing. All that because we know those are hammers for phosphates and nitrates. Uh, here's a here's a bolicato, and it will do it all in one shot, and probably more efficiently than you thought. And pH and all kinds uh, of stuff. Yeah. So like sometimes I get totally surprised. So when we did that uh, first experiment, I'm like. You know, I think the message is probably going to be in here, like, it will remove half of it. Yeah. Which, to me, is half the water changes. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, that, that's it. I'll grow a ball of algae and do half my water changes now, yeah, right? Uh, then when you found out, it's like 100%. Yeah. 
whoa, you know, uh, well, wow. But in relation to that with the skimmer, so I would say that the skimmer is going to do two things. One, mm -hmm. gas exchange, yes. right? So it's going to keep uh, all of the uh, gases in equilibrium with the, the air around the skimmer. Do you think uh, it does that more so than just uh, turn over the water and, uh, you know, churning of the water on the top and then... The for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because the, if you think about surface area on the surface of the tank mm -hmm. versus the surface area of all of those tiny little bubbles inside the reactor, oh, yeah. man, there's so much air water uh, uh, surface uh, area for the gas exchange to happen. Mm. It's like the, you know, old analogy of uh, a tablespoon of carbon. Uh, you know, it looks like a bunch of little black rocks on there, but if you, you know, actually look at a microscope, it's like a honeycomb uh, material. And it, total surface area, one tablespoon of carbon? I, I don't know. It's a football field. Is it really? Yeah, one <laughs> tablespoon of carbon, if you actually flattened out all the surface area, it'd be an entire football field. Wow. Uh, but microscopic, same thing with all those little bubbles. Yeah. If the amount of air water interface is happening inside the skimmer, so way more than it's happening on the surface. And okay. that's why actually you can scrub all the CO2 out with the CO2 scrubber media going into your skimmer and it'll actually you know increase the pH of your tank. Mm. Even if the uh, CO2 is high in the air, around the tank mm -hmm. you know which is interfacing with the top yeah you know? so it works even there so oh, definitely sure. the skimmer so you're going to get air exchange yep. you're also going to remove the uh waste before it breaks down into uh nitrate ah, okay. and uh, other undesirable elements right yeah so like it's nitrate and phosphorus but it's fish food man there there can be all kinds of things in fish food it could be a uh, copper or whatever in there in fact if you look at the back of the bottle a lot of them will say that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so uh you know small amounts but it builds up over time you know especially if you don't have a super awesome water change schedule mm -hmm. so like just nice to be able to remove the uneaten food and fish poo and whatnot before it actually breaks down you know so yeah you know the essentially the i'd say the filter sock uh is the only thing that is going to remove it it has a potential anyway to remove it 100 percent before it breaks down at all because it gets stuck right? in there yeah. yeah it just gets stuck in there and like if you have like a roller mat it will pull it out in real time if you replace the filter socks every two or three days it will probably also catch it uh at least to uh the brs uh, uh investigates we did on it hmm. and so then behind that once it breaks down into small organic particles uh yeah, the skimmer will remove it before it breaks down into nitrogen and phosphorus, hmm. you know, elements. So, yes, there's benefit to it. Do you absolutely need a skimmer? No. I mean, if your purpose, if your purpose is to target nitrates and phosphates specifically, uh, the refugium is all you need. You don't you know, need it. Come to think of it, though, this, the one tank that they run uh, without a skimmer at WWC is the one that has sand. The 293. Yeah, that's right. So it has sand, the sand's performing a lot of filtration properties, and they don't it's, have a skimmer. And there's a lot of less, there's a lot less flow in the display, which you would imagine uh, probably leads to less amount of the water column inside being churned up and going down the overflow, because they run a slow flow rate Super to begin slow. with. Maybe. So maybe the less water gets over the edge because they're churning up less water inside. I don't know. I would just say that like every one of these pieces of equipment adds stability and redundancy to the tank. So yeah. if any one thing goes wrong, like 
you know, uh, pump falls down and blows uh, your sand all over the place, and uh, all of a sudden the kitty litter box has exploded into the tank. <laughs> uh, well, your skimmer is going to help compete with that and add redundancy to the life support uh, system in your tank. Yeah. So, like, no, don't need a skimmer. Especially if you have a poorly performing skimmer that like doesn't really work unless you're tuning it every 10 seconds. Mm. I just unplug that thing and move on with life. Hmm. Uh, if it's a good one, man, and it works without a lot of tweaking, then I would personally run it for sure. So, huh. uh, and you don't need a super expensive one either. And sometimes the more expensive ones actually have more air water interface and like seem to be more finicky. Sometimes the cheap ones actually work the best. <laughs> Uh, what else we got here? Uh, there's a lot of people just to, to comment that for those of you joining us. Yes, we are in a large space. You can tell by oh, the echo. Yeah. Uh, and that's because we're in the testing, the testing lab. So it's big, giant, wide open stuff. So all along here is a whole bunch of uh, E170s that Red Sea was kind enough to give us. Uh, over here is some uh, tanks that they filled uh, with uh, corals from WWC for the elevated versus normal element experiments we're running. We got uh, uh, for flow. We got the uh, radions and the XR or the MP10s, the MP10s. In, in there. Yeah, and that's a good lead-in actually to the other series of experiments that are going Behind back here. Us. We got redundant tanks back here uh, where we're testing flow. So uh, with the flow, we have two MP10s on the side of this thing uh, mm -hmm. and two of them. Yeah, and then we have two more tanks that have four. Right, yeah. and so I want to know: Is it worth it? I mean, visually, I feel like uh, I invested more in this tank. It must be worth it. I'm doing something better, but is it? Is it worth the money? Are, are we really getting anything out of it? Because mm. if we're not, let's go back to two pumps. You know, I guess there's some redundancy and stuff of having four, but yeah. like, uh, so we're gonna have double the flow. Uh, both of the MP10s are cranked 100%. So we're gonna, you know, on the reef press mode. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna have double the flow in there. And in this case, man, uh, the guys over at ORA were kind enough to join in with BRS TV Investigate. So uh, if cool. ORA you're watching, thank you very much for helping us out. Uh, and they provided uh, some of the magnitude of uh, 30, I oh, mean, there must have been like 100 frags in there. I think there's 30 frags in each one of these things, so maybe 120. So That's they sent cool. us 120 frags so that we can learn whether or not the added flow actually produces added results. Uh, and so are you spending your money on anything good? Because if you're not, spend it somewhere else. You know, uh, maybe <laughs> you want to buy a different skimmer. Maybe you want to go bowling. Uh, in either case, <laughs> you whatever, go. you know, uh, it brings more value to your life. Yeah. If it ain't working in the tank, man, uh, let's, let's not do it. Because, you know, uh, there's a lot of reasons to believe. And I know that uh, in an experiment, you mm -hmm. know, Dana Riddle produced a, a lot, a lot of results with added flow. But that's kind of like that same experiment mm -hmm. uh, realm where, yeah, I can measure a frag and the frag actually weighs more. But I guess that's kind of what this is, too. But we'll see visually. And then the next test, man, we'll turn these things into actual reef tanks. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we presumably if it produces results, yeah. let's throw it in actual reef tanks that look very similar side by side and grow these things up and see if one tank actually produces extra results that are, are worth the investment. And some of this stuff takes a while to do, but, you yeah. know, it's fun to watch anyway. Well, I mean, you're talking with the elevated elk. Uh, like a three month, six month, nine month, and 12 month update. So, okay, you know, upwards of a year for some of these things. Mm -hmm. But I we mean, should, like, we're we just going to run these two tanks here, man, probably for 18 months, I bet. Just, you know, like, just running them. I mean, just to find out whether or not having, you know, elevated elements actually produces results. 
and you know like I know it is crazy when you say it out loud, uh, but like uh, it's super expensive too, man. I just gotta say, like having Aaron take care of this is probably why you never see this kind of thing before. Because, I mean, there just aren't a lot of places that can put the kind of resources into it. And the only reason we can is because you guys care. Uh, if you didn't care, there is no way that uh, the leadership team here would say yes when I say, "Hey, you know what we should do." Yeah. Uh, they'd actually <laughs> just fire me. So, uh, so because you guys care, man, uh, thank you. Uh, give us our dream job. And uh, Aaron, man, gets to take care of tanks all day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's why we're in this room. Uh, actually, behind you is a whole bunch of all the tests for doing all the salt uh, mixes tests that we're doing. Yeah, you guys probably um, saw that in uh, the salt, the last salt video that I, or one of the last ones that I did, uh, where we tested if they could store over time. And then you got a, uh, you got a picture in. To what these wall tanks look like and they're all behind it i just started another test today and i start another test tomorrow that's 80 or 16 tanks with the eight salts that we're testing with all new tests so many uh we also have all the vertex tanks over there and then a whole another row of uh the red sea tanks just like these and uh soon and i think we're gonna get two more rows of red sea tanks up the middle here uh, i mean there's gonna be experiment wazoo going on because that's the stuff i think is the most interesting I mean, we've talked about like you know what carbon does enough oh yeah you know, like or, uh, or another build series or yeah, something I mean, I, like I that could, Build series are fun too, man, but like, uh, and how many different ways can you see a glass box with corals in it? You know, like, <laughs> let's like up our game, man, and find out how to do it better instead of just saying, you know, use more flow. Mm -hmm. You know, does more flow actually do something? Because I, I want to know. I don't know. You know, and then the vertex tanks over there, there's two side by side tanks that are running those pH tests too. So, ah, yeah. one of them's running at like a completely stable 8.3 all day, every day. Mm -hmm. and the other one's running at 7.8 all mm -hmm. day, every day. Mm -hmm. So, let's find out the answer whether or not, you know, pH even matters. And I can tell you right now that it's consuming way more calcium and alkalinity yeah. in the high pH one. Yeah. I haven't actually sure. weighed it, so uh, it's hard to say. But, like, uh, we're going to find out and we're going to share it. I mean, the control measures on that pH is pretty cool. Like to keep it at 7.8 when a room that probably wants it to rise up to 8.2 naturally, mm -hmm. put some CO2 in there to keep it at a steady level. And the opposite of the other one, like in a room that wants to bring it, the pH down, you scrub it out and make it 8.3, but just baseline pH. Oh, scrub it out. It's cool stuff. So let's, uh, let's see, we've got another one here. How do you guys decide if you have the right flow for a tank? Okay, so at this point for me, uh, if it's an SPS tank, I know I have enough flow when uh, like the stand, sand won't stay in place. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully I'll remove the sand in, in many mm -hmm. cases. Uh, I know when I got enough flow, when all my pumps are at 100% and uh, everything isn't getting like directly blasted. Like mm. in, in fact, I don't think you can really have too much until the corals say stop it yeah stop it don't do this to me anymore yeah which is which is easy to see like rather quickly if they're in, in trouble or growing in the way of the of the flow and even at some point like if you start with frags and you have a pump that's up here and a frag that's down here as it grows if it's getting too much flow you'll kind of see it veer away from that direct flow too yeah so this one's really interesting because for me personally this one's this weird mix of, there's some scientific data out there, experiments and stuff. Again, mm. thank you, Dana uh, Riddle, for doing all that. Uh, that points that in that direction. And then also, there is like every wholesaler or grower of corals says, flow matters more than light. Light's super easy, I get the par right. It's getting enough flow, man. Mm. And, and you're like, well, just water flow? 
But flow is like uh, the lifeblood of the system. It's mm. where it carries every nutrient in and out. It you know uh, flushes the gas exchange off the surface of the coral, mm. allows the coral to you know uh, pull in different nutrients, let other nutrients out, and th the more flow you get, the more uh, uh, metabolic, uh, uh, the better the metabolic health of the coral. So we don't know that. Like uh, I mean. I'd say there's so much anecdotal and a little bit of scientific evidence to say that that uh, we wanted to find out here and we're doing it in redundant tanks. Uh, I just really, 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 really want to get past as many of the anecdotal things as we can. You know, a good one was actually the uh, whole like T5 thing, man. Oh, how long with the bulbs and how long you need to, do you need to change them out? Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, that could be a combination of people saying, uh, I don't know, the most thing I heard, so when I, I run T5s, I ran T5s for when I first started all the way up until I'll probably still run T5s, but in a hybrid type situation. And all I heard was change your bulbs at like eight months, no more than a year because the spectrum shifts. And for some reason, everybody started experiencing or people would tie their uh, algae problems into not changing out their bulbs. And that was like... On top of like, hey, your your phosphates are too high or too low. Well, what else is causing my algae? Oh, you run T5s? When was the last time you changed your bulbs? Like that was one of the first questions. There's so many yeah. things like that that we've all been saying and regurgitating to each other forever. You yeah. know, it was the spectrum changes and shifts over time and they get dim or whatever. And so we tested these things and I forget exactly where we stopped. I think it was like an 18 like, month, uh, you know, basic usage. Simulated like 18 months yeah, or two running years. Running 24 yeah. hours a, a day. Mm -hmm. And the spectrum shift that happened in these bulbs over the course of that many used hours was so infinitesimal. There's no way the human eye could possibly catch that yeah and so over uh and like even biology well it was like it would be like taking your radion schedule and taking one slider of a of a spectrum range and changing it by two percent yeah, or five percent no, or some two percent like nothing and so like if if that is what causes algae or not causes algae is that two percent on one slider of an led led we are, are done. all screwed <laughs> like there's no one out there setting these things right right you know like there's no way so there's just a tiny tiny thing and the second yeah. thing was anecdotally it looks yellow but you know what also happens over the course of a year in a reef tank that makes it yellow the water the water just turns starts to turn yellow yeah, if you're not running carbon. Yeah, the cat box is getting full. <laughs> exactly. Man, you know, the bottom. So, there you go. like, anecdotally, yeah, the tank looks more yellow over time, but, like, it doesn't mean it's the lights, because it ain't the lights, uh, or at least all the bulbs that we tested, wasn't it? Yeah. And the drop-off in power, actually, was really minimal, too. So... Well, initially, it was like the... If you want to change your... If you want to change your bulbs in, like, what was it, like, a, a month or two months where there was an initial mm -hmm. drop in that power loss... Uh, just to maintain that higher level of power, then I mean, by all means, buy more bulbs. But then it just pretty much flattened out. Well, buy $100 out. worth of bulbs, no, like $200 worth of bulbs every uh, Two, month, there we go. then you can maintain the max. <laughs> or you just buy like one extra bulb, uh, or two, I guess a pair, and just let it be depleted, you know, and run the things forever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know, we try to get to the bottom of these anecdotal stuff, man, because sometimes what feels right to us, like all it needs to be is like, kind of plausible yeah me too and yeah. then enough of us say me too together and all of a sudden it becomes fact and it just isn't yeah you know uh <laughs> and so i don't know the, the flow thing maybe is fact let's find out 
uh, we definitely found like the same thing with the refugium. We thought the refugium was oh. fact that it just barely worked, had to be super huge bega. Nope, just needs more energy going in the top. More energy in the top produces better. Right. Yeah. Even so, even some of the the in the refugium, in the case of refugium, even some of the like the compact fluorescent bulbs from the hardware store or you know the hang on refugium was a surprise to me that it actually did to some degree pull out some nitrates and phosphates and was it as much as like a horticulture specific light no not really and the ph differences was you know astronomical between the horticulture light versus some little cfl bulb but there was still something to it uh, so i had my first tank some of you have seen pictures of it it's like a 90 gallon tank yeah and right behind it was some high windows and I had a little hang on CPR fuge, but it got direct sunlight. You know, mm. it, it faced uh, south, so it got all day long uh, mm. sunlight. And it grew Kato like mad, man. But high energy, way better than a little dumb ball. But eventually oh, yeah. I just took the light off. Uh, and let the it sun was go, enough. Yeah, during the day. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, a absolutely. Hmm. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, it says, how are you keeping your pH at 8.3, higher DKH or CO2 scrubber? Good, uh, good question, Todd. Oh, some of these aren't popping up here, just some technical difficulties, but uh, we're seeing them over here, and Todd is asking, uh, how do we keep it? Specifically for the higher pH, we are scrubbing with a solenoid, or we're using a CO2 scrubber uh, attached to a skimmer that's in the back of each of the tanks, and then a solenoid that uh, toggles off and on based off a of pH. So it'll allow air through the scrubber when it's uh, below you know, a certain pH set point, and then when it's above, it just draws air, ambient air. And then the, the hysteresis between that is, is tight enough to where we can keep it at 8.3. Hmm. So. That's super easy, man, actually. The, the media, uh, and we're, we're looking actually to elevate that. After this one, one of the things we want to know is can we recirculate the yeah. air through the media That's so cool. the media will last like almost forever uh, and see if there's no you know effects on the, both the skimmer and the tank, and I don't think there will be. So cool. it'll be really cheap to do this as well, uh, which is like the uh, you know, holy grail. Can I increase growth rates and at almost no cost? Yeah, me too. I went in. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, what else we got here? Uh, what kind of flow are you using on your elevated tanks? So all of ah. these, uh, we're using MP10s on them. There's just two of them opposed on reef crest mode. Yeah, I think uh, they're set to like 80% uh, or somewhere, somewhere around there. I think they're actually 100. Yeah. Uh, I think almost all of them are at 100. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, yeah, we're just you know using the pumps that, you know, Ecotech was, you know, this is super expensive to do. I, if you can imagine like, each one of these tanks has got a Radeon, some XR30, XR, it, yeah. it, like the tank itself, you know, it's like, you know, a couple grand or like a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks, mm -hmm, something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Neptune has given us auto water changes because I got to make this easy. Uh, if we had to actually do water changes on eight million tanks here, A, it wouldn't happen on time and it would be something that was kind of a, a bit of a flyer, but now I know it's happening in real time. Mm. So Neptune gave us the auto water changes and of course an Apex to run it. So like, I mean, just in this row here is probably 20 grand in stuff that they donated, you know, to help us help you guys. And I know you guys aren't gonna run out and buy Apex stuff just cause they put this on there, but hopefully they get a little bit of respect. Hopefully the Ecotech people get some respect. Hopefully the Red, Red Sea people do and- ORA, uh, ORA WWC. Now, WWC. Yeah. Everybody's taking part because man, like there's people that just sell you stuff and then there's people that give back to the community and these guys are, are doing their part man to help and you know just for your reference point the answer is and i don't call them up and like you know bag them their answer is yes always like without <laughs> question they want to help the community whenever they can so uh hopefully get a little bit of credit but yeah we're using mp10s on here 
Uh, also, for me, MP10s would probably, even if I had to pay for them, would probably be what it would be mm. because I need to, like, I mean, we're the maintenance. The on maintenance center. We got so much work to take care of all these tanks. You know, Texas taking care of a whole slew of marketing tanks now. It's a full-time job. Yeah. So if you can just swap out those heads and soak them all together, and then next time swap them again. Uh, you just you just uh, you just saved yourself paying him. Like, if you had to hour, actually yeah. unwind all of these or soak them at the tanks, it would be a nightmare. Oh yeah. So just being able to pull all the wet sides out, soak them all together, and swap them out, and you can do maintenance on all of these tanks in ten minutes, and they're like brand new when he's done. So yeah. that, uh, that is definitely what we're using. Uh, we do have a question, um, Marcio, or I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Can you guys send the light set color for uh, what you have on the tanks behind you? Actually, we're running the uh, AB plus spectrum from the Ecotech, uh, the uh, EcoSmart Live from the dashboard. So there is in the templates, you can find the templates and you can find the Coral Lab templates. And then there's like uh, AB plus, uh, there's a couple different AB pluses and there are a couple different ones in there. And we're running the AB plus spectrum uh, on all of these. And that's just for, I think like eight or eight hours a day or what have you like that. And then you just basically we set the intensity uh, with a PAR meter. So you can run the AB plus spectrum uh, on any of these lights, but it's pretty, it's really important, more so important probably, to take your PAR meter and make sure that you're within the PAR ranges that you're aiming for too. So by all means, if you're gonna spend years of your time, buy all these expensive lights, you know, buy all the expensive corals, Rent the par meter for 50 bucks, man. Uh, and uh, you only need it once. Like yeah, once you set, set it, it up, man. you're done. Like uh, I say that as the person that rents uh, par <laughs> meters, but uh, to be honest, man, I'm pretty certain that still we don't make any money on those things yeah. after shipping them back and forth for free. Uh, and it's really just kind of a service. But you know, if you're gonna sell, you know, somebody buys four of these things for a tank and you know, sell $3,200 of the lights. I think, man, like we owe it to people to help them set it up successfully, not just sell some, but actually achieve results with it. Mm. You know, so uh, Bob scolds me and the amount of crap that we had to do here to be able to account properly for rental stuff. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, it was a big holdup, but like worth uh, it, worth it all. I, absolutely, yeah. man. Like I want, like it's lighting with t5s used to be plug it in the wall and be success mm. now you got questions about what spectrum and everybody's had so much failure with so many spectrums like you see it on the video sorry for picking on you but you see it on a video like oh i want that one because it's working for those guys right yeah so in my opinion actually uh, if the ecotech guys were smart the thing would kick out ab plus by default mm. and like wouldn't even allow you to pick anything else and if you went off of it, it said like way danger you're entering like a uh, death mode <laughs> yeah, you know, you're a trailblazer, you may be successful, you may not. Play around uh, at your own risk. Check AB+, I can guarantee Spectrum won't be your problem. Hmm. Uh, like, uh, if, if it said that, nobody would go off. Yeah. You know, only the trailblazers would go off yeah. at that point. And because of that, like way, 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 way more people. Between the AB+, and using a PAR meter to get into the range that you're looking for, success, no, light is not your problem. Light will never be the reason you didn't have success. Right? Which, you know, which was one of the you know which was one of the things like like metal halides and t5s i think had well, over over leds is it wasn't your pro it wasn't a problem because all you had to do was like hey put a four bulb or six bulb over your tank plug that thing in you know maybe there are some options but I mean, you go to you go to look at all these other tanks and you say well what t5 bulbs are running well there's not like a like a, a handful of different options and different configurations so it made it really easy to choose whatever bulbs you're going to do plug it in and you walk away and now now you're worried about if my 
my tank's not looking right. Is it water? Is it you know? Is it parameters? Is it flow? Is it this and that? It never, the you don't easiest have to think tank for sure that I ever lit uh. was using those tech fixtures from Sunlight Supply. Okay. I wish yeah. they still made them. They don't. But like for sure, those are the easiest, easiest things. You put some bulbs in there and walk away. It was cheap. Mm. Uh, it wasn't super expensive. It wasn't the like most efficient reflectors and whatnot. But like, hey man, rather than spend 300 extra bucks on the fixture, I buy forty dollars in bulbs. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and the things last me you know 18 months. So like, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like hmm. I, 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 I long for the days and. You could just plug it in the wall and be successful. And there's no reason it can't be that way now. I mean, the technology here, I mean, you should be able to put in there, uh, I have a 120 gallon tank and it should say, how many of these things are you putting on there? What are you keeping? And set it for you. That's there's true. no reason it shouldn't be that easy. Uh, I mean, if I have the Radeon over a four foot, you know, a four foot 120 gallon tank here, and then Joe over in Washington has a four foot, 120 gallon tank with the same Radeon placed in pretty much the same configuration. Like our differences in par are, should be nothing. Really. Nothing, man, Yeah, nothing. And like, I, I, I'm gonna guarantee this. I'm gonna go, uh, I think next 18 months, somebody does it. Hmm. I'm gonna go on record, I think. Cool, uh, mark and, it down, April yeah, 1st. Just because uh, actually behind the scenes, they all know this. Yeah. They all know that that should be the expectation. Yeah. And uh, you know, Somebody's gonna do it, mm. you know, because it is like it is not that hard to measure, you know, the par in a glass box and using like a few different configurations and just put it into there. Yeah. I mean, it's you got all this technology in your phone and stuff. It's just super easy, man. Well, so tanks, tank sizes are stand. Uh, there's a lot of standard tank sizes, and once you once you get past like all of the standard sizes, if you've got this special tank that's sort of in between, it's not this one, it's not that one. You can pretty you can infer pretty pretty dang close using what is there as set points uh, that yours is probably here or there. And if it's not, try the other one. I'm gonna go one step farther, and I'm sorry for all the lighting people that may be watching this, <laughs> but if your product requires somebody to buy a $500 meter to be able to use it properly, hmm. you fail. Hmm. Like, no, there's no way other way to say it, man. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, like, uh, like, I mean, maybe when you know we were you know, five years ago, like, uh, or eight years ago, or whatever, when the first ones came out and nobody really knew what they were doing and yeah. they're just gluing LEDs to a board and hoping for the best, yeah. you know, we're just trying to figure it out. And maybe then, but in the world that we live in today, if you require a $500 meter to be successful in common aquarium shapes, mm. failure, huh. end of story. Uh, so uh, somebody is gonna solve that in the uh, next 18 months. I don't know who it will be, uh, but like somebody has to, man, yeah. because behind the scenes at, at Beers, uh, I am berating these poor guys uh, <laughs> as well. And they know, man, they know. Uh, all right, what else do we have? Cool. Uh, when, uh, I can't read this one. Where when will the... Oh, the iGobi. Uh, so if you guys are watching our site today, we have a brand new product on the site. It's the iGobi. It's the uh, robotic sand cleaner, I believe. Uh, mm. In which case, it's out today for a very exclusive price. Mm. But it's also April Fool's. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for playing uh, along, Louis. Yeah, dude, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, do marine pier blocks ever go bad or work indefinitely? Oh, that's a you know that's a good question uh, that well we can add into one of those Ask BRS TV questions that we were going to ask. Mm, but yep. uh, 
do they ever go bad? I don't know if they would say they'd go bad, but you know they they get clogged. Depending on they can get clogged. Like depending on where you put them in the sump and the detritus that's flowing through there and all of this, like you start to reduce available surface area as they as the pores get clogged. So if you want to call that going bad, maybe I don't know. Or you shake them every once in a while and clean them off or what have you. I don't know. I, I know I, I read uh, that uh, Brightwell recommends replacing them over like five, six years. I mean, in all honesty, I don't know if I've ever used Marine Pure in any tank for five to six years. But, hmm. like, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why they would actually even say to replace it at, at that point. I can tell you that I've used both now. And for whatever reason, I mean, I always thought, like, the Brightwell bricks are just like a me too product you know like there's there's differences for oh sure. for sure like there's a couple of them right <laughs> uh one man like you'll know it when you touch it the marine pure brick kind of crumbly in your hands oh, you I know could, you gotta be real with careful enough with pressure it. i can squeeze it oh you yeah. could you could crush, crush it. it yeah uh-huh. uh and so you gotta be a little careful with it the marine pure block or the uh uh the, the export, blocks the, the export, export bricks they're hard uh-huh. You know, so they're much, much harder, and the pores seem to be smaller in it, and they get the little dimple things. But to me, the fact that it's harder means it's going to deteriorate less. And I, mm. I know that back in the day, you know, many, many years ago, they had a, a batch that wasn't baked long Yeah, you can still Google and get those results yeah. if you're looking at reviews for them. But that was years ago, I think, a couple years ago or so, somewhere around I there. I think it was like but, three, four years ago. Yeah. But anyway, so they didn't bake them long enough. And that's the big difference here, actually, is one of them, uh, I think the Marine Pier, they've just baked the ceramic mm-hmm. me- media. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the marine, or with the export stuff, it's actually chemically cured. Yeah. So they chemically a- and bake it at both, but at much lower temperatures. And part of that process actually binds up some of the impurities that may be in ceramic media, like aluminum and stuff. Mm. I'd love to get to BRSTV investigates on those claims, but it's a big one. Uh, you know, for me, uh, just the fact that it's harder and the little bricks stack on top of each other and have the dimples that provide flow. Yeah, uh, I do I, like. I those. think I think they would be the ones that I would use in most cases, mm. especially like even if you're going to use the little balls and stuff. You know, they tend to, you know, rub each other. Mm-hmm. In fact, in, I mean, if any of you have been watching this for a really long time, uh, oh, we back did. in, uh, yeah. I did one on, on. It's like, instead of bio balls, there was yeah, the ceramic media ceramic balls. Ceramic media balls, but I did it in an airlift tower mm-hmm. on a, doing, chopping up your rose uh, bubble tipping enemies, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so what happened actually is the, over time, the air bubbles actually cause the things to move against each other, and they just the marine pier just turned into dust, huh. right? Uh, and so I don't know. I can't tell you that the Brightwell wouldn't do that, but to me, hardness is uh, some of the matters at this point. So some of it's fear uh, or uh, fear factor. Uh, some of it is form factor as well. Yeah. So like like those plates are really convenient that well, that uh, marine pier makes to slide between yeah. baffles yeah because they have a, a one inch thick plate and that's like eight by eight by one inch thick mm-hmm. and those will fit in a lot of uh, many people's baffles pretty well mm-hmm. and you can even break them in half and then put them in one in each baffle you know one of the other things uh, actually i mean we're gonna go on this brightwell tour here uh <laughs> is uh, you know they if they put sulfur and like gfo into them and the first time like the sulfur one's pretty interesting because it's going to provide a carbon source uh you know for the you mm-hmm. know uh denitrification in there we haven't tested that or anything like that but the other one was actually interesting you, you know they have these little guys that are covered in gfo mm-hmm. right and like first 
take it out. I'm like, man, why would I want that? I'm just gonna have to throw these things away. You know, as soon as the GFO is depleted, I'm gonna have to throw it away. Hmm. And then I talked to the guys over there, like, like, why would I want to use this? And he's like, well, the cool thing about it is you can use it for like a couple of months and then you can throw them away. Like, oh, so the reason I didn't like it was the reason that, you know, <laughs> that's what yeah, it's for. So you don't need a reactor, wow. you know, you don't need to be tumbling stuff. You just have this tremendous amount of surface area that's covered in the GFO powder that ah. takes all of the phosphate out of the water. Yeah. And once it's depleted, you just remove them and throw them away. Well, I mean, it, that, that leads to the whole purpose of tumbling GFO anyway, is to, you know, make sure that all the surface area is available, but also to keep it from binding, binding, to, binding together. And stuff. I don't have to buy a reactor. I don't have to run a pump and consume electricity and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I haven't actually used those uh, little cubes with the GFO covered in them, but it was so funny. The reason that I didn't like them was the reason they're like, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's, they're nice. And I'm like, oh, well, you oh, know okay. what? That makes sense. I'm going to buy into your logic for now. I, I, I think I might agree. All right, I got a hard stop here in eight minutes. So if you got good questions, man, uh, bug Dave with them and he'll put them up here. So we got a few more left. Uh, I see visual. Yeah, visual impact aside, are micro bubbles good, bad, or indifferent? So there's like people are like doing micro bubble scrubbing and stuff now. Yeah, I think I first started hearing about it a couple of years ago, and and I don't know if it became a result of an accident where or something where people you know either their skimmer was leaking bubbles into a display but somehow the idea got got out there that uh, or somewhere the idea got out that filling your tank with a ton of micro bubbles uh, like running an air pump into a into like your return pump so that it splits it up and spits it out or there's a whole bunch of different ways that people are kind of doing micro bubbles but uh, what does that do benefit-wise for the tank? Like, are you effectively like skimming or providing air surface, air air water interchange or interface inside the display? And do you do it like twice a day? And uh, I just so I'm not gonna say it didn't work. It doesn't do anything. I don't know. But I read like I mean I got really interested. Somebody asked uh, once, and I went like you know digging in because uh -huh. it's nerdy and I, I like that kind of thing. Uh, and so 30 pages in. I still hadn't gotten a single reason as to why it would be successful. Why? Like, tons of anecdotal, like I do it and it works, right? Right. But like zero, like, you know, actual plausible reasons as to why it's going to provide, uh, you know, beneficial effect hmm. in the tank. And there's a couple of like maybes that were thrown in there, but like not a whole lot of, hey, man, I really believe that this is what's happening and hmm. why you can expect this metabolic effect out of it. And so, I don't know, maybe, you know, definitely what happens when you put all the air in there and you're blowing it around, you're creating kind of like a, a, more, a little bit more velocity or whatnot to the air that's hitting coral tissue and whatnot. You're probably providing more gas exchange, but there's plenty of ways to do that. I don't know. I mean, we could definitely, you know, if, if everybody was really excited about this one, uh, we could, you know, take some of these Red Sea tanks and micro bubble them, you know, <laughs> and see what the difference is because that, that is not a hard thing to test. Yeah, you know? that's true. Uh, and I don't know, man. I, maybe just I don't know what we what, what parameters would we test for other than visual growth? Would you we just, test for nitrates, yeah, phosphates? These, run the gamut of tests. Here's two that are micro bubble. Here's two aren't. Yeah. And I, I will tell you the first thing, man, where you're going to see the difference in almost every one of these tests in terms of coral growth, in uh, health generally shows itself in growth, hmm. is uh, in alkalinity consumption. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, sometimes there's a competing like precipitate or, or something that can happen from certain different uh, ways you'd run a tank. But for the most part, 
if the tank is dropping in alkalinity, it means the corals are growing faster. Mm. Uh, so something like an uh, the the, the trident, trident yeah. would be able to give you like a real time pulse on whether or not filling your tank full of bubbles is actually producing results. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that when you you know, however, you leave your tank for uh, like if you're looking at it every day. Like I look at my tank every day and. Uh, it, sometimes I think I see growth, sometimes I don't. Your eye is a poor judge of growth if you're looking at it every day. It's like watching water boil. Uh, but if you leave for a week or you leave for a couple weeks and you come back, you can really start to notice some differences. Uh, but that's like getting back to alkalinity is the, the main thing. Like I can see fluctuations in alkalinity on a daily scale, you know, up and down or what have you. So, yeah, for sure, uh, try it in, in any, any one of those types of uh, monitoring type alkalinity things. It might be too something like as weird as uh, you know if I had mediocre flow, maybe the bubbles help you know with gas exchange or something you know it's hitting the coral. Mm. So like maybe in high flow it doesn't help as much as medium flow. I'm making stuff up here, but you know <laughs> like uh, you know as you're kicking ideas around, you know, that's why maybe it's successful or some less than others, and. Like, I obviously sound kind of, like, down on this one. And, and the reason I, I get down on any of them is when I haven't heard, a, like, a real clear, you know, plausible reason yeah. as to why, you know. Mm-hmm. And our hobby runs on plausible. You know, like, <laughs> it doesn't even need to, like, be proven. If it's just plausible and then anecdotal whatever supports it, yeah. that's true. A few you of know? them, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and this one, the, the, it's, it's more anecdotal less even plausible in the beginning so i don't know yeah they're certainly not agreed upon uh what else we got here probably like one more we got like three minutes left okay are there any benefits to running ozone every now and then well i guess it would be kind of like running carbon every now and then right clean your water yeah so the big benefit to me uh, and ever some people might debate this but the biggest uh, benefit to ozone for me is the tank will never have an odor to it Mm. Uh, like it will never stink like uh, algae or fish poop or anything (laughs) like that and the second reason is because you're gonna have crystal clear water 100% of the time you know the other option is carbon and carbon will kind of go up and down yeah. You know, and that means the light intensity is going up and down. One of the tests we did showed that the mm. white drops like 30% between the carbon exchanges in a month or so. And so, you know, your light levels won't go like this. They'll mm. stay, you know, perfect penetration all the time, which could mean, you know, ultimately that you could use 30% less lights, you know. So implementing a ozone, you know, maybe I could use like two radions instead of three or something. Huh. You know, you wouldn't get the same coverage that way, but like it could mean that, you know, it's certainly that you're expending that much money you know uh, you want to get as most value out of these things as possible uh, other than that you know like people There's, say that ozone's like or ORP related to ozone is like a you know water quality reading and it's just not it's a cool factor there's a it's cool equipment it's like a calcium reactor uh, like Ozone, or uh, there's so many different, you know, cool gears and options that you could get for this hobby. Do you need all of them? Do you absolutely have to all of them? No, but it's cool. Yeah, you know, the big thing for me <laughs> on, on ozone would be a, I wouldn't do it in a place where if it went wrong, it filled my house with ozone. Yeah. Uh, I'd probably get like a little ozone monitor or mm. something for it. You know, it smells like lightning, you know, and, you know, it, it, has arguable health benefit or not benefits uh, detractors mm. uh, in, in 
you know, maybe not even arguable. So you just don't, don't want it to breathe it in the house. It's super easy to remove with carbon because uh, it just reacts instantly with mm. the carbon. But if the carbon's wet, it doesn't, by the way. So, like, uh, if, if moisture fills all your carbon bin up and it gets all wet, then it doesn't work anymore. Hmm. So, I just, for me, man, I'd personally just prefer to use carbon in most cases because it's so easy. Yeah. I just change it out more frequently. Uh, but there are benefits to the ozone that it, it works 24-7 all the time. Uh, and you'll always have crystal clear water. It might be cleaner. I will say if you don't run it perfectly uh, and you use too much, you'll find that your skimmer doesn't work at all. So the, <laughs> the, the benefit is that supposedly your skimmer will, you know, work, you know, uh, better if you use ozone because hmm. it, it allows some of the molecules to collect and get bigger and, and be removed easier. However, if you use too much, it changes the polarity of all of the uh, uh, pollutants or the organics in the water. They actually repel from each other and no longer bind with the bu- uh, with the bubble. Huh. All right. So we got to wrap it up here. Uh, let's just take one more. Okay. I mean, I got um, I've got salt testing to do right after this, but uh, it can wait. For one more. That's it. One we're gonna more. go. So. Uh, does the blue spectrum help with algae breakouts? And that's an interesting question. You know, yeah. we were, I was talking about this on Aspirus TV with uh, somebody who had a, a, just a green tank. It was like, this is one of my first saltwater tanks. And not only is it bacterial bloom and the water is just green, but the rocks are green and all this other stuff. And we were looking at the tank and every, you know, a lot of people were commenting like, you know, it looked like they had, uh, it looked like the sun was just like it, the tank was sitting out in the middle of the sun and that was the lighting choice. And he started talking about it and uh, he was using like compact fluorescence that you would use in the, in the office and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation started to go into, you know, well, what about the spectrum? Like, does this more daylight spectrum, you know, breed algae because it has peaks in the, you know, in the 600s and the reds and like the yellows and things versus more blues uh, on the other side uh, where a lot of people throughout the years of the hobby just haven't experienced a, a bunch when they're running a more blues type spectrum so uh, i know you have a story about the the t5 bulbs or the bulbs over one tank versus the other and what they were growing yeah i mean i've told this story before and it's pretty long but yes i, I there's definitely a difference in spectrum both for uh, bacterial uh, things like cyano mm. and then uh, like diatoms and uh, dinos and stuff like that. Like different spectrums will definitely grow things totally different than each other. And uh, a little bit anecdotal, a little supported by science is plants uh, tend to grow better with uh, some of the red lights. The red light is filtered out by the ocean water. Mm. Uh, and so a lot of the corals won't even ever see any of the red spectrum. And so a lot of the plants though that float on the surface or terrestrial, you know, like grow better with uh, the red light. So there's some reasons to believe that adding uh, other spectrums in the blue could produce uh, more algae. And if you're running an LED, find out, man, because you can just turn it off, yeah. you know? And you don't necessarily have to turn it off forever. You can just adjust and granted you need a $500 meter or rent one. Uh, but you can adjust your par level to be the same. Up the blues, get rid of the rest, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, find out. Yeah, cool. All right, man, we're going to wrap it up today. Uh, hopefully you enjoy a little bit of uh, different scenery and uh, some of the tests we're doing. 
And uh, I guess we'll see you. We'll be back. Hey, you know what we see you in Reef of Palooza? Yeah, if you guys are going to Reef of Palooza, we're gonna be there. Uh, we're gonna be there at the Reef to Reef booth. And watch for this. We had this little Ask BRS TV lemonade stand that you might have seen in uh, some of our. If you, have, you guys have been watching our YouTube, there's a. I think there was a video that we did, a live stream that we did. When we were announcing rap. Uh, but we're, we're with Reef to Reef. We'll be with David over uh, David and his wife over there. And Ryan and I will be asking, answering questions. You can come up, say hi, answer some questions. I think we're giving away like a tank and a bunch of other stuff with the tank there. Yeah, we're giving a Reg C tank and yeah. like all the other, you know, usual crew added in the yeah. Apex and uh, you know hopefully some uh, Ecotech stuff. Uh, I think we're getting some uh, Tropic Marine salts. If you hook it up with uh, the, the uh, Orphic guys giving away an Orphic thing. Oh yeah. Uh, I already sent you an email. Coral, Coral View uh, talked to me. They're giving up 12 ICP Coral View ICP tests for, yeah. uh, that they're throwing in there too. So yeah, a yeah. lot of a lot of cool stuff. But yes, we are going to be a wrap. Uh, so if you got nothing to do and you're kind of like in that Florida area or anywhere that like driving distance to Orlando or flying, uh, we'll be there. Big show. First right. one of the you year. You can bike it. You can bike it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you next week. See you guys.